Restaurants Unstoppable, episode 91. Welcome to RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Listen to successful restaurant professionals as they discuss the tools, tactics, and services they use to better lead, manage, and market their restaurants. Join our community and make your restaurant dreams unstoppable. Here's your host, Eric Cacciatore. Yo, what is going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? It is your host, Eric Cacciatore, and this is the podcast for personal growth in the restaurant industry, and we do it by listening to the stories and taking the advice from some of the industry's most successful restaurant professionals. I have such a doozy for you today. Uh, I've been looking forward to this one. Ari Wineswag just knocks it out of the park. Uh, it's a great episode. Uh, I can't wait to hit play. But before I do, like always, gotta cover some due diligence and remind you to please connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google Plus, Pinterest. I'm out there, and I can't wait to hear what you think about the show. You can even email me directly at Eric at RestaurantUnstoppable.com. I, I'm here to serve you, and I need to get some feedback, so please don't be shy. Let me know who you want to hear from and what topics you want to cover, and I will do my best to serve you. So that is all I have uh, before the show gets started. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. It is a good one. Here it is. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Ari Weinswag. Ari, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am terrific, and I cannot wait. Are you ready to drop some restaurant bombs of knowledge? I'm ready, man. Let's do it. All right, man. Sounds good. Let me just give a quick introduction, and then I'll pass that over to you to further elaborate. So, like most success stories, Ari starts with casual after-work conversations with his now partner, Paul Sagnaw, just discussing their dreams if they could ever open their own restaurant. And in uh, 1982, those casual conversations manifested into reality in what is now known as Zingerman's Community of Businesses. This community of businesses all started with just a delicatessen, and over time, they expanded upon this delicatessen, which is now, today, it consists of a catering company, events company, bakery, baking classes, a creamery, a mail ordering company, Zing Train, a restaurant, a coffee house, candy manufacturer. I mean, the list will continue to expand with time, I'm sure, but they're doing over $35 million in sales annually. Uh, it's just it's an incredible story. I can't do the due diligence telling it, so I'm just going to pass it over to you, Ari, to get the big picture. So take it away. Okay. Well, it's a, it's a long story, but I'll tell it quickly. Uh, <laughs> I grew up in I grew up in Chicago, which is about four hours to the west of Ann Arbor. Uh, I came up here to Ann Arbor to go to school at University of Michigan, uh, which I did. I studied Russian history. Uh, with a particular interest in the anarchists, which I know you've been reading the book, so we may get to that later. But uh, after I graduated, I really had no clue what I wanted to do. I mostly just knew I didn't want to go back home, and in order to make that uh, that desire viable, I needed a job. Uh, I'd driven a cab while I was in school, which wasn't 
very glamorous or exciting. And uh, one of my roommates was waiting tables at a restaurant that was then uh, in downtown Ann Arbor. And uh, I went in there looking for a job, hoping to wait tables. And my, my still standing belief, it's the best way to make a lot of money in the food business in a hurry. But uh, they didn't need servers. They said they'd call me if some opened. And I waited a few weeks. I heard nothing. I went back, said, maybe, hey, if I bust tables and I do good work, you could promote me. And they said, well, it sounds like a great idea. We'll call you. And then I waited about two more weeks, and I still hadn't heard from them. So I went back, uh, and they said, look, I really got to work to anything. And they said, do you want to wash dishes? And I said, sure. So that's how I started. I had no particular interest in culinary work. I wasn't a particularly interested cook or even eater. Uh, and I had absolutely zero background in business, so none of those were really on my mind. The only thing I was looking for was a way to pay my rent. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I got lucky because I stumbled into work I love and, and also into great people. Uh, so Paul Saginaw, who you just mentioned, uh, what, who's been my partner in all this from the beginning, was the GM at that restaurant. Uh, Maggie Bayless, who's the managing partner at Sing Train, which is our training business, was a cocktail waitress. And Frank Carollo, who's one of the partners in our bakery, was a line cook. So... So I worked for them for about four years, uh, prepping, cooking, uh, managing kitchens. So my background's all back of the house uh, originally. And then uh, left there in the fall of 81. Uh, not really sure what I was going to do next, but just, you know, clear that although they're, you know, certainly a good organization where they were going with food quality and people management were not really where I wanted to go. And Paul called me like two or three days later, not even knowing I'd given notice and said there was a little building coming open. Uh, he had opened a fish market about two years before that, and we, as you said, we had stayed friends and would talk off and on, and uh, he had grown up in Detroit where you could get good deli food, and I had grown up in Chicago where you could, but you couldn't get it here. So uh, we looked at that space, and we opened up four and a half months later, March 15th, 82, and uh, the original deli space was just 1,300 square feet. Uh, 29 seats, I think, 25 sandwiches, a little bit of retail stuff, some cheese and bread from other bakeries and stuff, and that's how we got going, me and Paul and two employees, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, it's such an incredible story, and just from the very beginning, just uh, your persistence, and I'm sure we'll get we'll come around to this later in the interview, but you just always, you know, keep chipping away, and you, you don't give up on things. Uh, you can tell just from that quick little story, from when you were trying to get the job at the restaurant to when you're trying to bring this, this dream of yours into reality. I mean, it's just that consistency really paid off, and your ability to build teams is just incredible. Um, so we're going to dive into the first question, um, or actually, before we do that, I'm going to have you share, like, your either a success quote or a mantra that you live by. So what do you have for us? Well, I was thinking about there's two that I'm going to go with. One is uh, from Emma Goldman, which uh, she always she said, anarchism is the spirit of youth against outworn tradition. And I always like that. And then I just finished reading uh, One Straw Revolution, uh, which is a book from the 70s by a, a Japanese farmer named Masanab. Masanobu Fukuoka, uh, pardon my pronunciation, and he, he said, treat one strand of straw as if it was important and never take a useless step, and I'm, I'm going to run with that. Treat one strand of straw as if it were important and never take useless steps. So what does that say to you, Ari, and if you could expand on it at all, like, what would you add? Well, it's just, you know, it's all about the little things, and, and I've always believed that. And, I mean, you know, winning awards or getting headlines is all great, but the reality is it's it's built up on, you know, lots of small successes and, you know, a fair few small failures, and hopefully the successes far outnumber the failures, but we have we all have plenty of both. So, you know, when you understand that the way the busboy 
you know, puts the bread down on the table or the way the host answers the phone or, you know, all of those tiny little things are hugely important. And, and then also, you know, making the most of every minute and, of course, never take a useless step is just common restaurants. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't go back empty-handed. You know? Yeah, so. to me, it's just like, you know, live live on purpose and do everything with, you know, an yeah. intent and uh, you don't overlook the yep. little things that all adds up to the bigger picture. So such uh, incredible yep. advice. Um, all right, so let's talk about you and your it factor. What would you say it is about you? Um, if you could, like, narrow it down just a few characteristics that contribute to your success. Well, I mean, I, I there's an essay in the, the first business book, which you're, I think, reading, uh, called 12 Natural Laws of Business, and then there's a takeoff on it in the third book, which is Advancing Ourselves, which talks about why those same 12 laws are applicable to us as individuals. And I, I think that it's my belief is that everybody who's successful, whether it's you or me or Mario Batali or anybody, uh, we're all living in basically in harmony with those natural laws. But, you know, one is what you already said. I mean, it's just, it takes a lot longer to, uh, you know, to make something great happen than most people think. So just sticking with stuff. Uh, another is, you know, uh, successful people and successful businesses do all the little things that everybody else knows they ought to do but doesn't feel like doing. So, mm-hmm. you know, going back to the table one more time, tasting the, you know, the broth for salt level one more time, going back to compliment an employee one more time. I mean, those, those are certainly big pieces. Uh, you know, on a bigger scale, uh, the visioning work that we do here at Singerman's, I mean, is, is a huge piece of what's made us what we are. And I, I we could talk more about that later if you like, but it's a process of, of getting clear in, in really pretty good amount of detail about the future that you want to create. And when you're clear on what that future is and it's shared and agreed upon by all the key players in the organization, it's pretty powerful what can come from that. Yeah, and you know, I just want to add a few of the characteristics I picked up because reading your book, it's almost like reading it's kind of like a manual to teach you how to be better but it's also like an autobiography to a certain degree too. And uh, you when you're reading the book, it's like listening to you talk and you're just so authentic and you're, you just have so much humility when you write and one of the things i personally believe makes you so successful is no matter how successful you are you don't let it get to your head and you're just so genuine and you're just so humble and uh you take everybody's opinion into account and i mean i I just think that quality that you have just makes you so desirable to be around and that's why you have so many people that want to work with you and want to join your team and contribute to what it is you have going on it's really incredible um and very inspiring uh, but what would you well, say about well, that? <laughs> I say thanks. You're very kind. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, well, I mean, I you know, I, I I think it's true. I mean, I think if you if you believe that you're on top of things, you're in trouble. Uh, it's another natural law is that you know if we want to be great, we got to keep getting better all the time. And I yeah. think that's true for us as individuals and for organization and. You know, when when I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a restaurant or a basketball team. I mean, if you if you think you got it down, trouble's coming. Uh, and you know, the reality is we we need to improve, and and that it means improving in the way we work together as a group. It means the way we manage, the way we treat our guests, the way we prepare the food. And you know, if you if I look back or you look back on on stuff that we were doing even ten or fifteen years ago, it's almost embarrassing. You know, given how much we've improved it now, it's, it's that we used to think was good. But you know, that's the nature of the work, right? Yeah. You keep getting better. And and like you said, it's not just you know listening to everybody. It's, I mean, I really believe from the heart everybody's got something to offer. And there's yeah. just, you know, there's stuff that everybody sees that others, me included, don't see. And 
you know, an 18-year-old or whatever that just got hired to work the counter or bus tables. I mean, they see stuff I don't see because by definition, I've been there longer and I'm older and I got a different perspective. And, you know, to to ignore their perspective just because they don't have experiences, I I think is naive and silly and wastes a, a huge natural resource. Absolutely. And I mean, another thing too, like you never once claim to know it all. You're always talking about, you know, you, you give your advice, but you say, we're not perfect either. Like nobody's ever perfect, but you just have to realign yourself and just remind yourself why you're there. And just, if you get off course, get right back at it and, you know, just keep on chipping away, but always be trying to get better. And it's an incredible book. And there's such gems all over the place in this book, but uh, for the sake of time, we'll move on with the interview. So if we take these it factors that you have and uh, you were able to, Apply them to a story in your life where it helped you get to the next level. What story would you share with us? Well, I think it's, I mean, there's probably a million of them. I, you know, the, the reality is there's very little that we've ever done that, like, from the, you know, people think you're an overnight success, but there's mostly it's just a lot of work and, and continually chipping away and, you know, understanding that it takes a long time yeah. to get there. Uh, you know, and, and and also that when you're doing great things, people mostly don't like them when you get going. I mean, when we opened the deli, you know, the general wisdom was we would never make it because, uh, you know, the neighborhood was considered a bad neighborhood. Ann Arbor had 10 or 12 delis fail in the previous decade. Uh, there's no parking. I mean, so everybody was sure we would fail. You know, later, of course, we were considered geniuses, and everybody loved it. Uh, when we when we opened a bakehouse in '92, you know, after 10 years of buying bread and doing well at you know using it and selling it from other bakeries, we opened our own place because we wanted the quality of the product to be better. And you know, it was a radical improvement, but all change meets with resistance. And so, lots of customers were totally fine with what I had come to believe was pretty mediocre. You know, and, and could be improved, but they were okay with it, and so we caught a lot of flack for that. You know, today it's a ten million dollar, you know, wholesale bakery that I, I think most people who like food in Ann Arbor can't imagine living without. Uh, you know, when we started the Roadhouse, uh, it was one of those restaurant openings, which some of your listeners will have been through, where you know it's like super crazy, busy uh, people knew who we were. So at that point, unlike when we opened the deli, people had super high expectations. You know, we got buried. Uh, and, you know, in honesty, dug a big hole for ourselves because it was just too much volume. I mean, we couldn't handle it. And, you know, but slowly but surely, you, you get your act together. You make amends where you need to. You get the systems back to where they need to be, and you just keep working. And, mm-hmm. you know, eight, whatever it was, eight or nine years in, we won a James Beard Award. So, you know, again, it's, it's that distance and, and sticking to the vision and working together collaboratively and honoring everybody involved. and believing in yourselves that you can get there yeah we we often talk about on the show just don't don't chase trends be an innovator and start the trends and just when you have a crazy idea and when everybody's telling you that you you won't make it uh just take a chance and stick with it but it won't happen overnight like you say everything that you you know whatever time you think it's going to take it's going to take a lot longer can you reflect back to how you felt when you were uncertain where when you're just getting started and maybe things didn't take off right away. Like how do you just like keep yourself going? Is there any like trick you use or just any kind of mentality Uh, you had just to keep going? Yeah. I don't know if there's any one. I mean, I think the whole new book on managing ourselves is a lot of what that is. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is just breathing through it. I mean, it's, uh, Louis Meyer who trained Paul and I in the restaurant kitchens many years ago, uh, you know, taught us that, uh, you always used to say, you know, when you think you're good, you're not as good as you think you are. And when you're, when they say you're bad, you're not as bad as they say you are. <laughs> you know, I think that's, that's true. And just trying to stay grounded. I mean, on the days where it feels like it's all coming apart, 
the reality is there's not really that much that's that different than the day before. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's except for the feelings. And so, you know, over over the last 30 years of, of working at improving my self-management, you just start to learn to, like, breathe and, you know, remember that it's, it's actually going to be okay and just working with good people, with good systems, and if we pull together, we can do it, you know? And mm-hmm. and I would imagine, I mean, it's, it's no different than whatever in sports when you feel like you're losing it or, you know, a surgeon doing a difficult case, you know, they got their doubts too, but they learn to take a deep breath and trust their instincts and trust their team and keep going. I love it, man. So up to this point, we've been talking about your success and what it is about you that makes you successful, but we all have our failures and we learn the most from our failures. So can you take us on a story of one of your failures, like take us down to the moment and bring us through that experience and then what you learn from that failure. Well, I, I think again, I mean, as a framework, I, for me, it's really about the small failures more than the big failures. And I think, you know, it's naive to say that we're not failing all the time. I mean, there's, you know, if, if we, if we wait on whatever, five, 800 guests in a shift on a busy day, you know, there's no way that all of those people got perfect service. Yeah. There's no way that every piece of food was perfect, you know, and, and, and so for me, it's really more looking at all those tiny little things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I don't know, I'm, I'm working on the next book actually, which is still a ways out, but, uh, it's going to be about belief, hope, and the spirit of generosity in the workplace. And I, I'm just before you called, I was working on the hope essay, so I have that in my mind. But, uh, you know, it just it goes back, the story goes back, a, a, it's actually, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, and just like in rapid succession over a period of two or three days, I, I happened to be standing there when, you know, well-meaning, but not in the moment that effective uh, a couple managers, you know, sort of squashed employees' hopes without, I'm sure, knowing they were doing it, and I'm sure without trying to do anything badly, but, you know, the way that they responded to an employee suggestion or to an employee expressing a hope to, to, to go forward and, and, you know, learn some new skills or take on some new responsibility was, you know, not an uncommon one, but it was kind of like, there's no way that's going to happen yeah, <laughs> until X, or there's no way you can do that until you do Y. And, you know, I... I, I t- it too, but I, I, you know, happened to be standing right there, and I was like, "Oh my God, I can't believe that just happened." How did you react and, to that? And, well, I just shut up because I, you know, it's not. I, I mean, you know, Paul taught me a good mantra many years ago, which is "When furious, get curious." Mm-hmm. And you know, so it's it's when something like that goes wrong, it's usually not their fault. It's usually organizationally our responsibility. And you know, of course, I mean, I. I hadn't really thought about hope before. I mean, yeah. Obviously, at some level, I had, but we certainly weren't teaching it. We weren't actively sharing that we have this expectation that your job as a manager is to encourage and cultivate hope in the frontline staff. And mm-hmm. you know, but out of that, then it really prompted this whole draft of this essay, which will end up in the book. And you know, to really start to actively encourage people to develop hope in their staff to, to make sure that hope is present, because when it's not, it's basically like you're cutting off oxygen. And, you know, everything dies. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a small thing, but it's a big thing because it's something that's going to blossom into training that we can do throughout the organization, which will end up helping a lot of people. Yeah. So, I mean, just to kind of recap, the the failure was one of his, his members, one of his managers uh, kind of shut down somebody's uh, opinion or suggestion and uh you know the failure was the that's not their culture their culture is about everyone contributes and we try to encourage each other and the learning experience was you know when don't get furious 
uh, you know, get curious. Like, why did this happen? And dig deeper to, to resolve the issue. Is that kind of a good summary of? Well, yeah, and then that, I mean, the biggest learning was that we we were failing in that organizationally, and that we weren't mindful of hope, and that we weren't actively teaching everybody that it, it's part of our work is to develop hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, we weren't talking about the importance of hope. We weren't talking about you know things to be careful of so that you don't squash hope. And out of that learning, you know, we've already started to do some of it and we'll be doing more in the years to come. Yeah. And uh, another thing, you know, I could just tag on to that is one of the things I really admire about what you do as a business person is you never start pointing the, the finger. You, instead of, like you say, you know, don't get furious, get curious. Uh, don't start looking to find out, to put the blame on somebody, but start asking questions. What did I, what could I do to make my managers do a better job, but, you know, uh, cultivate yeah. that hope. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. So, all right, we have reached the part of the show. It's my favorite part of the show where you're just going to drop some big old bombs of knowledge, just like a speed round. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> all right, let's do it. Uh, the first question I have for you, Ari, what advice do you have for funding a restaurant? Well, I'm going to give a, a flip but serious answer, which is don't worry that much about it. <laughs> worry more about making a great restaurant and the money will come later. But I, I think writing a vision of greatness that's inspiring to you and it's inspiring to others and it really shares why the place is special, unique, amazing, and incredible. If you do that, you'll find the money. Yeah, and i, I got to ask, uh, what would you say about partnerships? Because I have to commend you on your ability to find and work with people. Yeah, well, you know, I think, all relationships take work and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and also a little bit of luck. I mean, but I think Paul and I, you know, we've both worked at it hard. Uh, we've always shared vision. Uh, we've always shared values. And we've always had the, the at first unspoken and now organizationally agreed upon commitment that will always come back to the table until we figure out an agreement. Mm-hmm. And if we can't come to agreement, we don't act. And, you know, so we've just, you know, actively taught those things all through the organization we teach how to you know do conflict management how to have difficult conversations and how to do visioning and all these tools that i've referenced and and none of them are perfect but together you come up with a pretty good toolbox uh, that can work awesome uh what advice do you have for hiring good people uh for us it's always about energy and values first skills uh, an experience second although clearly you know to cook the line in a busy restaurant like the roadhouse or something you know bake at the bakehouse you got to have some experience but great experience with bad energy and, and not shared values will always lead to big problems uh simple rule that we use is called the smile rule if they don't smile when they come for the job interview don't hire them <laughs> it's very simple it's very basic and it works yeah it's so true um so when you find these good people what advice do you have for keeping them as you know on your team as a valuable team member well, Paul always says when we hire people on their first day is the, is the peak of their motivation because they're the most excited to impress everybody, and, and our job is to demotivate them as low as possible, uh, which I think is probably true. Uh, I think, again, those those 12 natural laws of business, if we live in harmony with those natural laws, uh, then we're going to create an environment that's going to help people to succeed. Remember how I talked about you being humble and just being extremely having that humility? I love how you're sharing the glory with Paul right now. Like Every chance you get, I feel like you're throwing him into the mix. And that just goes to show well, like how the culture you guys have, it's awesome. It's all a group effort, man. Yeah, I mean, it's I, great. You know, uh, if without the dishwasher, it really don't matter how many headlines the chef got. You can't serve. <laughs> well, uh, you got to commend that ability to share the the, the, the limelight. So, um, all right, what advice do you have for uh, teamwork? Uh, you know, in getting through the rush or a heated moment. Right. 
Well, I mean, with teamwork, I mean, I think, A, you got to teach it. Uh, B, shared vision. Uh, so when people know what success is, is supposed to look like, it's a lot like it's a lot uh, more likely that they're going to get there. Uh, you know, helping them understand the nuances that go into teamwork. Uh, we teach a lot about energy management. When people bring bad energy mm-hmm. uh, to a group setting, it can bring the whole group down in, a, in, a, in two minutes. And when they bring good energy, it just makes the challenges go a lot more smoothly. So energy management is huge. Uh, there's a lot I wrote about that in the second book. You know, getting through the rush. Breathe. I think breathing is an underappreciated skill. <laughs> that's great, man. Well, yeah, um, I think that's the first time anybody's used the words energy management. When we talk about having that attitude and how you can, you know, affect other people's attitude by having the wrong attitude. But I like I like that twist you put on it with energy management. That's really cool. Um, well, it's a, it's a huge it's a huge thing, and restaurants are, are a classic place for it because. If, if a, it doesn't matter, the energy is contagious, right? So if, mm-hmm. a, if, if a line cook brings bad energy, it's going to end up in a dining room. Uh, you know, if a busboy's got bad energy, it's going to infect a whole section or a whole room. You know, so we're all responsible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, we each have the ability to manage our own energy and mm-hmm. to mindfully choose the energy we're going to bring to the to the shift. And when we do that, hardly anybody mindfully chooses to bring bad energy. So it's, it's just most people aren't mindful and you start blaming everybody around them. I had a little note here, Ari, to add on to this question um, because of how much emphasis you put on systems. Uh, what would you have to say about systems and the overall impact and teamwork? Well, I think that, you know, it's it's not just systems and it's not just people. It's It's creating healthy structures and systems that help the people to do better and then when the people do better they and you involve them in running the business like we do, then they improve the systems and the structures. So, you know, no system or structure is perfect, just like no person is perfect. But if you if you combine the two together, you got pretty good odds of doing well. Uh, you know, the smaller the restaurant, the less the systems are critical. The bigger it gets, the more the systems are imperative because mm-hmm. this is so many people. And, you know, it's, it's akin to whatever, playing in a symphony orchestra. I mean, it's, you know... Like three people could get together in their bedroom and jam for a while, and it's kind of fun. But if you're you're going to Carnegie Hall with 50 people in a symphony orchestra, it's kind of good to have some music to play from. You need that conductor, right? (laughs) Um, You do, and and it's still each musician's going to bring their own, you know, personal spin on on the sheet music. But but they they do it within a structure so that it's not chaos. Right on, man. All right, so this is your opportunity to talk a little bit more about the book. What is one business resource or restaurant business resource you'd recommend for our listeners? Well, other than your podcast. Um, Thanks. You know, if I can just talk about us, because why not? I mean, but Zing Train, uh, which is our training business, I, I think what, what what we're teaching, and it's not just me, but I mean what everybody at Zing Train is teaching is pretty unique and mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, from visioning to open book management, which is a whole other conversation, to servant leadership, to customer service. Uh, it's not food specific. We get industries from, I mean, people from all industries, every industry you can imagine. But we do get a lot of food people. And I think, uh, you know, looking at all the, the retail food and restaurant people that we've worked with over the years, it's just uh, it's a really great resource. And then, you know, as you've been saying, I, I hope that the business books, uh you know, our resource too. Uh, and all of those are at zingtrain.com and people can check them out. Yeah. Awesome. man. I mean, I've only read the first book. Um, there's still a few sections. What's really cool about your book. Um, it's written in a way that you can kind of jump around and apply, uh, whatever it is that's pertinent to you at whatever given time you or whatever phase you are in developing your restaurant or business. Uh, you don't have to read it 
from start to finish. Uh, you can jump around, and it's really easy to absorb. Like right now, I'm working on writing the, the mission statement and vision for my podcast, and I'm finding your content yep. extremely helpful. And I'm sure in the future I'll be able to come back and you know talk about uh, culture when I start you know adding people to my team. Like there's, it's you can jump around, and it's really convenient. I like the way you, you have it right now. It's it's great. Uh, Perfect. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about marketing. What advice do you have for marketing a restaurant? Well, I mean, I, I think more than anything is word of mouth. I mean, it, that was true 50 years ago. It's true 100 years ago. It's still true now. I mean, social media just allows the word of mouth to move more quickly. But, uh, you know, in the end of the day, if people aren't saying good things about you, they're not going to come back. And, yeah. you know, even if you get a big sort of, you know, print or now, you know, web write-up, you know, that, that'll that get you a big pop. But if the quality of the product or the service isn't good, people aren't going to come back. And, you know, even in the hippest of hip spots, maybe they come back three, four times, but if they're only there because it's a hip spot to go to, it's only a matter of months before somebody else exactly. opens another one that's even more hip, you know. So I think at the end of the day, you know, having people who work in the organization who believe in what they're doing and, and you know, present, a, you know, bring a great experience to the guest, having guests get great experiences, and that would include both the food and the service and just having a good time and learning something while they're there, you know, that's what's going to get people going out in the world talking good things about you. Yeah, and what I would add, you know, you're also, not to mention your involvement in the community, you're just so involved with the community with what you do with your uh, food drive, uh, you have that going for you, which is incredible, getting involved with that, but you're always staying fresh too and that's just kind of a source of you know or, or means of marketing like you don't stay plain for long you're always evolving you're always adding on and keeping something right. fresh so like you don't get stale you, like you just keep it interesting and i think that's one of the things that really contributes to your success what would you say about that i would agree i mean i think it's again it's a natural law you got to keep getting better all the time yeah. if you want to be great uh i think that uh you know the reality is that the press you know, they want to write about cool stuff. And if you keep doing the same thing, yeah, you're always giving them excited. the opportunity. So, yeah. And I, and I think for us, it's just to, you know, constantly push our envelope in terms of, you know, not just doing interesting things so we can say we did a cool thing, but, but there's always, like you said, ways to improve. And so, you know, we're just bringing a new line of spices in that uh, comes through a family in Montreal that spent 20, 30 years traveling the world, awesome. you know, sourcing, you know, peppercorns from this area and this family they know every grower they know you know the nuance of every of every product and now we're bringing it in it's not like what we were buying before was bad but it's going to raise the bar on everything uh we just had them down for two days they actually came to the zinc train visioning seminar while they were here they did two days of training for our staff so everybody's pumped up about that and you know so it's it's an interesting quality improvement uh it's gonna it's gonna raise the bar on what we do and it's an interesting story you know and then similarly like you know we just renovated the 1830s barn and farmhouse at our at our farm uh land where we've been growing for nine years and now we're doing events out there so you know it's it's taking this historic piece of property and turning it into a productive sustainable piece of business which is a pretty cool place yeah that's awesome all right so the next question i have for you ari um on the topic of technologies i mean you've been around since 1982 you've seen this industry evolve and now it's evolving faster than ever um is there any technology that you're applying in your restaurant um to kind of stay ahead of the pack uh to evolve with the industry that you would suggest being a good return on or you know a good investment uh to stretch that dollar and what would be uh, you know, I, it's it's. I mean, we use all the technology everybody else does. It's certainly not my area of passion. I I think we have. I mean, I know we have people here who pay more attention than I do. But we, you know, we use all the 
Gmail and OpenTable and all, you know, the social media yeah. uh, outlets and all that sort of stuff too. But I, I guess for me, I think that you know the tool is only as good as how you use it, and mm-hmm. and I think looking at the tool, you know, it's, it's not a replacement for a good person behind the tool. So. Uh, I, I want to use the tools well, but use them to help people on the front line do their work better and improve the guest experience and improve the food quality. Awesome. That's a great answer. I think that's the first time anyone has, has said, you know, the, it doesn't matter how good the tool is, if the people using the tools aren't using them to their full ability, then it's pointless to have. So, uh, you know, focus more on growing the people to use the tools than actually attaining the tools. Yep. Awesome. So uh, what is your best business advice for somebody getting started in the industry? Well, I think, you know, you're, you just mentioned it, but I, I think the visioning process that we use, it, it makes such an enormous difference uh, to be clear on where you're going. And the recipe for writing one works, I swear by it. I've taught it to thousands of people. <laughs> I just taught it in Slovakia last week. It works. And if you're not clear on where you're going, the odds of getting there aren't that high. Uh, if you're working with more than one person, the odds of you both you know, unspokenly agreeing on where you're going in the long run are not that high. Uh, the risk of writing it down is only that you're honest with yourself about what you really want and honest with everybody around you. But the upsides are huge because people start to help you. It's easier to make decisions, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, I've asked all the questions um, I have for you. Is there anything I could have asked you, Ari, that you think would have added value to this interview? Well, you could ask me about the anarchists, or you could ask me about why we choose to only open businesses in the Ann Arbor area. Yeah, uh, well, let's do the last one. Why do you only choose to open businesses in the Ann Arbor area? Well, because when we because the vision stuff, uh, the vision approach for us is really about creating the future that you want to create, mm-hmm. not the future you could create. Uh, and so it's a, it's about designing a, a, a life both organizationally and personally, that you want to live as opposed to just responding to opportunities as they arise. And there's nothing wrong with opportunity. Obviously, it's a, it's a good thing. But when, you, when we just respond to opportunities haphazardly, we end up with a hodgepodge, and, and it's, it's all too common. I'm sure you've met many people, as I have, who not just in the food business, but they sort of like get this, this you know, theoretical success, but they're not living in a way that they want to live. And, you know, they start to burn out, get frustrated, and they end up bailing. Uh, You know, when you do the visioning, it allows you the chance to proactively create the future that you want, not the future that other people think you should want. And so for me, uh, for us, you know, it's just really important to be able to know the people who work in the businesses, to know the customers, and to taste the food. And I, you know, part of what I love about Ann Arbor is I can get from my house to the roadhouse, which is on the total other side of town in under 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, you know, so being able to move around mm-hmm. like that, uh, it's, it's not an uncommon day that I'm in, you know, most or all of the businesses. Uh, and I like that because we can actually know each other. We're talking to guests. We're, ta- you know, we're tasting products. And I think that's, a, for me, it's a huge quality of life thing. And, you know, probably it helps our effectiveness too. Yeah, you know, just being so, like, deep embedded in your community, too. You're everywhere. I mean, you're just all over the place. It, it's incredible what you're doing for your community. Um, and, and like you said, it's about the quality of life. Uh, how happy are you, not how much money are you making? And if you focus on the happiness, yep. um, 
good things will come. So we're going to wrap it up, Ari, and we do that by uh, giving you the opportunity to call somebody out who's one person in the industry that you admire, uh, who's an indie restaurant professional that you think would just be an incredible addition to the show. Well, it's not a shock, but Rick Bayless, uh, I've known really for pretty much the whole time we've been open. He and Deanne actually used to live across the street from the deli year before we opened. But uh, I just have, you know, huge respect for what they do. You know, the, the intellectual work that they put into their food, the, the care that goes into the employees, uh, you know, and he's they're not the owner too far of, uh, from us in it, Chicago. Is it Grill and Tokyo Frontier? Bonneville. That's great. That's right. Yeah, he yeah. is. Uh, he's got quite the story. He's been recognized over and over again for the work he's done. I would love to get him on the show. So look yeah. out, Rick. I'm coming but, after you. Yeah. And, and of course, there, you know, there's all the, all the people I'm friends with that know Danny Meyer, Mario Batali. I mean, there's you know, a, a zillion great people in the food business, Craig Stoll out in San Francisco. I mean, well, you're, you're really people. setting that bar, that bar high for me. All right, I'll do my best to get them on the show. Uh, they're extremely busy folks, but so aren't you. And one of the things I know about people in this industry, what makes them so successful is their generosity and their willingness to share what they know. Um, so maybe they will be open to coming on the show. I'd love it. Um, so this is your last opportunity to pitch how we can connect with you. Uh, talk a little bit more about Zing Trang uh, and everything else you got yep. going on and I would love to hear more. Sure, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's easy to connect with me. As you know, it's just Ari at Zingerman's.com. Uh, I'll actually answer you. Uh, Living and, proof. Right uh, <laughs> we, we would be, we would be, yeah, that's how this interview happened. Yeah. But uh, we would be glad to connect really with anybody. I mean, like you said, I'm, I'm pretty confident I could learn from anybody, and the risk is low and the upside is high. And, uh, again, at Zingtrain.com, uh, you know, is, is, is where our training seminars are and the business books and all that. And then, you know, of course, we'd be happy to sell food, too, because we mail order food all over the country through Zingermans.com that people can, uh, even if they don't want to work here or, or come get trained, they can uh, probably find a really amazing olive oil or a pretty incredible piece of cheese or loaf of bread from our bakery or some of those handmade candy bars from our candy company and, you know, have a little extra treat to uh, to eat this week. Awesome. Well, Ari, you've been an incredible guest. Um, you're inspiring. Uh, you shared your stories of success, your failures, and you've served us some amazing advice that's going to make us all a little bit more successful. Uh, you are truly unstoppable. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your extremely busy schedule to come talk to us. It was amazing. Thank you, man. Have a, have a great evening, great day, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Another awesome episode here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Uh, I had such a blast talking to Ari today. Man, there's no wonder why he has become as successful as he has. Uh, just that, you know, no matter how successful he'll, he'll get, he just doesn't lose that sense of just humility. It's not about him. It's about his team. And he's always investing in his team and listening to his team. Uh, it's just really impressive. And um, he has some great advice. It's all at zingtrain.com uh, where you can find all of his books too and in addition you can find all of his training that he offers some great stuff I know I'm making a trip out to Ann Arbor in the near future and I'm going to do everything humanly possible to make it to one of his seminars I uh, can't wait to do that like always all the links to everything we discussed in today's show are in the show notes and you can find the show notes simply by going to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash 91 
And, uh, yeah, everything's right there just waiting for you to click on it and uh, to get sent over to what he's got going on over at zingtrain.com. Also, do not forget about their mail order if you are interested about some of the incredible things they put out through zingermans.com. They have their delicatessen, their bakery, their coffee house. Uh, the list goes on and on. So if you want to try that out and you want to support them and uh, find a way to thank Ari for coming on the show, go support him by ordering some of his stuff. I'm sure he will be grateful for that. I guess until next time, peace out.